we're looking around for words to to study, if there is a list, I don't know of one, that just gives you a whole lot of really fun Greek words to study. So I have looked out there and said, hey, where's, where's some other people who put some of these together? But I haven't seen that. So each time I just kind of study out some of the words until I come to one of interest. And so tonight we're going to be taking up the word diligence. And the nice thing about this is it has the unique um, aspect of it in that it will have a noun form, a verb form, an adverb form, and an adjective verb, an adjective form. So we'll show you how to add that to the study. As we mentioned it last time, but didn't actually have an opportunity to see that. Now it is a, a very often used word in the Word of God. It's not one that's uh, sparse at all. And especially if you count up all the, the ways that it's used, the noun form, verb form, adjective, and, and so forth, you'll have a, a few dozen references that you can pull from. It's translated diligent, zeal, earnestness, earnestness, and so forth. So we're going to see what we can learn from this particular word in the scriptures that it shows us. Now, first off, Vines has this uh, fairly simple definition, earnestness, zeal, or sometimes the haste accompanying this. Thayer's gives you a little bit more. Thayer's, you'll notice in the outline part there, I gave you a one and a two. And if you're on Facebook, if you look at the post, I don't think the uh, video feed will have it, but the post will have the outline and you can see that uh, page one and page two. So you can pull that up on your computer and have that to look at. But in Thayer's, it has two different type of meanings. And if you get into the expanded part of the definition in Thayer's, you will find a little bit more about that. But the first one is haste or with haste, and the second is earnestness and diligence. Under the earnestness and diligence, you will see a meaning of earnestness in in accomplishing, promoting, or striving after anything. And the second is to give all diligence, interest oneself most earnestly. Now, if you go into Thayer's, you won't see this in Vines, but this is some of the expanded definition you'll get in something like a Thayer's. He will talk to you about uh, the presence of an infinitive or the presence of other parts of speech that when they are present, that the, the meaning of the word would be this. And then he would give you references where that is the case. He would also show you uh, the second, uh, in the second meaning what is usually part of the speech or what is usually present when this word is used meaning this. So if that's in there to, to be able to uh, be brought out for you, he will do that in Thayer's. You won't see that in Vines. But you will see it in Thayer's. Again, the um, what is the name of that site? Uh, it is, if you're online and want to check this out, you can see it at studylight.org. S-T-U-D-Y-L-I-G-H-T dot org. You can go there and and find some of the helps that are there, such as Vines and Thayer's. Okay, that's our, our definition. But let's take a look at some of the scriptures that are used. And we're looking here first at the noun form of this word, spude. In 2 Peter verse 10 of chapter 1, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, we've looked at the 2 Peter chapter 
one before, and he gives you a nice list of things to uh, be diligent about. But he says, Brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Never stumbling is good. Focus on those things. But here we see the, the word diligent used. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. In 2 Corinthians 7, 11 and 12, For observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner, what diligence it produced in you, and what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication. In all things you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong, nor for the sake of him who suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Now I am bolding in your verses the word that is uh, that we're studying here. In the first verse, verse 11, what diligence is produced in you, that's what's used. And in the second verse, our care for you in the sight of God. There it's translated care. We'll see that it take that direction in another another place. <clears throat> but he said, what diligence it produced in you, their godly sorrow that they had, had produced in them an incredible diligence. And he's making note of that. And again, diligence would be an earnestness, a zeal, sometimes a haste that would be accompanying the, the zeal. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 16, But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. Now here we have that same word, diligence, zeal. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care. Both those words come from our word here. They uh, use two English words to, to translate this. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care. Now, if God put the same earnest care for for uh, the the Corinthians, I'm sorry, for you and for, uh, for the Corinthians into the heart of Titus, if He put that kind of care into Titus, could He not put that kind of care into us? Sometimes we look at the the fact that we have a lack of care for certain people in the body of Christ. Well, where do you think that lack of care comes from? We never hear that God puts a lack of care in on anyone, but He does put this great care in here on, on the Titus for these, for these people. I would say that from that, if you have a, a need for a great care for a certain group of people or certain, certain people, Father God, I thank you that you put that great care just like you did for Titus, put it inside of me. It's something that God did. Isn't that what, what Paul is saying? God did it. And he did it to Titus. If he did it to Titus, he can do it for me. Because sometimes we've had it in the Word of, of Scripture, you'll see that sometimes he talks about how their love grew cold. And sometimes our love can grow cold for one another. And apparently God can put that great care into that earnestness, that zeal. Let's go on here. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 7 and 8. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. <clears throat> I speak not by commandment, but I, I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And so here we have this word used in both of these verses. In um, the next two, we gave you 
just the references. I'll read them for you uh, quickly. But uh, I had to cut out some things just to try and keep it to four pages. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Now when Mary left here, she had just had the visitation from the angel who came and told her that she was going to have the Messiah. And as soon as he leaves, she leaves with haste. Can you see how you could leave not only with haste, but with a certain diligence, a certain zeal, a certain purpose for where you're going? And she went from there over to Elizabeth's house. And we remember the story of the greeting that came there. In Mark chapter 6, verse 25, immediately she came in with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now this, of course, is after her mother's uh, she came to her mother and said, what should I ask the king for? And she said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. And she came in with haste. She came in with purpose, with zeal. Uh, she picked this up from her mother. And she wanted to, to please her mother with this. I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. So there we see that that word diligence or zeal having the, the uh, accompanying part of haste with it. Romans chapter 12 in verse 8. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So if you're going to lead here, he says do it with diligence. Have that zeal. Have that earnestness that is, that is there. Now let's take a look at the, another scripture a little bit more closely. In Romans chapter 12 verse 11, he says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence. If you have a King James Bible, it says business. But uh, diligence is actually the word that is there. That would be the only time that word is ever translated business. I'm not sure why they exactly did that. He said not lagging in business. I guess you're being busy about things. I'm <laughs> not sure, but that's what they did. No one else, no other translation has picked up that that particular uh, way of uh, translating this verse. But not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. Let's take a look at this word lagging here. The word lagging means slothful. It is the same word that is used of the wicked servant in Matthew 25 and verse 26 when he says, But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. Calls him wicked first and then uses the same word. It's translated lazy here. You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So he says here in Romans chapter 12, not lagging. In other words, don't be lazy. And, and when Jesus used this same word, you wicked and lazy servant. Now there's one other time we're going to see this, and this is in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1 for the word slothful or, or lagging. He says, finally my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write uh, to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. But for you, it is safe. So this gave me this picture of this word. How many times have you gotten out on a road where there is no passing lane and the person in front of you is going 15 miles below the speed limit? There is no urgency with them. There is a slothfulness that is there. But that slothfulness is creating a great agitation in you. Because there is an urgency for you for where you're going. There is no urgency on them. If you're at a red light and the person ahead of you decides not to go when the light turns green. 
There is no urgency for them. They're taking their time. How many of you know that can be grievous? And Paul uses the same word here. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. That is our word there. Just a little mini uh, word study on the word lagging or slothful. Some translations render it that way. So not lagging in diligence. In other words, don't be slothful in your zeal, in the effort that you put in, in your earnestness, even in how quickly you go about doing it. Basically, this word is, is talking about whatever you're doing, you put all of your effort, all of the, your zeal, all of your might, and you focus on getting it done with everything that is in you to the best of your ability. You don't slack off. You don't back off. You keep going with it. And that's what this word is, is talking about. So he says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. The word fervent there is uh, where it looks real close to, to zoe, but it's not. It's zeo. A person so enthusiastic about their task that he can hardly contain his excitement. That's from Rick Renner. This is the person, they are so exuberant, so ex- excited about what they're doing that they can hardly be contained. Their excitement just comes out in everything that they do. They're just excited to take this thing on and to be part of doing this thing. So he says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, just overjoyed to be out there doing this, serving the Lord. He uses the term here, doulos, a servant who was sold out, totally committed to the needs of his master. That is what this word is, is talking about. So he's not lagging in diligence, fervent. He's excited. He is up. He is intense about this, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, totally sold out. So if you want to do things that, the, that please the Lord, Paul is teaching us that a right attitude is one of the most necessary things that we can have. It is as pleasing to God and it leaves us with a good testimony of the people around us. So when we are doing the things for God and we look at this particular word in this, we are to take all of our enthusiasm, all of our fervency, all of our zeal, and we are to channel it. He says, don't lack in this. Don't be slothful in this thing. Don't back off on this. When that light turns green, go. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, you travel behind somebody and you can just tell this person I know it. This person is not going to go when the light turns green. I've had that before. I followed behind some people and I could just tell by the way they were driving. I either get around this person or when we're at the light, they're going to, they're going to be slothful. Have you ever had that with a, with a person? You can just tell by the way they're driving. And sure enough, the light turns green and they sit there. I've had people out accelerated by trucks in the other lane. I mean, you ever see that? I have a truck in the one lane. And then this one over here, and I'm coming up, do I get behind the truck? Or do I get behind this person who's driving in such a way that I know they're going to be slothful when the light turns green? And the truck out accelerates them. That just gets me frustrated. Because I don't go anywhere without purpose. <laughs> and I need to get there. So that I can get it done and, uh, and get moving on. So when I, when I look at this, I think of those particular 
times. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. We're excited about, about what it is that we're doing. Serving the Lord. Now this also comes up in 2 Peter 1 and verse 5 and Jude chapter 1 and verse 3. I just wanted to complete the list for you in case you want to go out there and take a look at those. Uh, first, uh, 2 Peter 1 5 is one that you're very familiar with, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and you know, know the list that goes on from there. <clears throat> but let's continue this, this study. This, that was the noun form of the word diligence. We're going to look at the verb form. Now, if you were to pull up your vines, and this is one of the few references out there that you can do this on. If you were to pull up a lot of the Greek helps, you cannot do this. But if you were to pull up a, a vines and you would find the, the word, let me uh, make sure I'm pointing to the right spot there. Right there is diligence. He lists the nouns first. And there's a couple of, there's, there's only two, I believe. Only two nouns that are, that he deals with translated diligence. But then he goes on to the verb form. And in there, there is four, there are four different ones in the verb form. Now, before we compared all the other words that were used to translate that, and that's one way that you can do a word study is to look at all those as well. We're just focusing on the one here tonight. So if you ever want to go back to your vines, if you have one, uh, if not, you can go up online and use that website I told you, uh, studylight.org, and you can get that that way. If you have olive tree, uh, which I was telling you about last time, if you go to download vines for your olive tree, it is expensive as far as olive trees uh, things go. But uh, there's probably a whole lot of nice things that you get because it's o- online and you can you know, tap your finger and get all around and do diff- different stuff on it. But it'll, it'll hit you 40 bucks. There's also a Vines New Testament and that'll hit you for 50. And that'll put the Vines plus the uh, copy of the New Testament all into one volume right there. Uh, now, m- most of you probably aren't going to want to spend that money uh, I believe we have the hardback version for about 20 and most of you probably already have a copy of that or you can just go online and um, and do that. So, but here's here's how you could do this. You can see the different words there. Now, if you... Oh, I should have gone over this with you. I don't believe he will tell you this, um, but in some of my other places it does. I don't believe he tells you what the where it comes from. But if you look at the spelling, you will see that the spelling of the word is pretty similar. If you see the spelling of the word pretty similar, except for the ending, more than likely it's coming from the same root word. Now, in this particular situation, we're not going to be looking at the adverbs and the adjectives. There's not as many references on those, and just for time's sake, we're just uh, focusing on the noun and the verb. But you can go here and take a look at the, the adverbs and the adjectives there are two listed for the adverbs and two listed for the adjective. Both are derivatives of the same word. So the other words don't have anything moved down into there. But uh, you can you can check them out if you would like to. But you'll have to have a vines to do some of this. Even some of the other um, different Greek helps won't uh, won't have it all together for you like the the vines would put it. So let's take a look at how this. This comes about in uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 10. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was eager to do. And so there you see the verb form. It. I was telling you it's an action. It's something that we're, that we're doing. 
before we were seeing like in Second uh, Peter one five, giving all diligence. There's a noun there. It's 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 something we're calling something diligence. Whereas in Galatians chapter two and verse ten, it's a verb form and it's something uh, an action that we're doing. I also was eager to do. And so there it is in the New King James, it is translated eager. In Ephesians 4, verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And the word endeavoring there is the word that is our word that we're studying. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So when we go to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, apparently we're supposed to not just go at this casually. We're supposed to have a zeal. We're supposed to have an intensity. There's supposed to be a, a, a focus from our, our part. Not just something, well, if it happens, it happens. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 17, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Have you ever had some people that you hadn't seen for a while and you enjoy their fellowship? And when an opportunity comes up, you endeavor to, to find their fellowship. And this is what he's talking about here. You'll go out of your way. You look for, uh, for, for ways to get this done. There's, there's somehow, somehow we're going to be able to, to do this. And the greater love that we have, the greater affection we have for those people, the more it seems that we, we push and we try and do that. But they endeavored more eagerly to seek your face with great desire. So if in using that word diligence wasn't enough, he added it with great desire on the end. Second Timothy 4 and verse 9, but be, I'm sorry, be diligent to come to me quickly. Be diligent to come to me quickly. So there is a haste that is associated with this, with this word, but he also throws in, uh, do it quickly. I want you to go at this with an intensity, with an enthusiasm, with a zeal, and, and do it quickly. Come to me quickly. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 21, do your utmost to come before winter. So now we're putting a timeline on it. We're not just saying come quickly. We're saying before for, before winter. Now, I don't know how much time he had from when he was until the time winter was going to be. But um, apparently it was short. Do your utmost to come before winter. Be diligent. Everything that depends on you, put it in there to get this done. Titus chapter 3, verse 12. When I send Artemis to you, or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. So he says to Titus, I'm going to send some people to you. When they get there, I want you, with all zeal, with all diligence, with everything that you've got, I want you to come over to where I am. Make, make haste to get to where I am. So we see this word used again. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, Therefore, I'm sorry, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Let us be diligent to enter that rest. So when you see this word diligent, as much time as we spend on Hebrews, you can go back there and look at this and say, now therefore be diligent to enter in that rest. Have a zeal. Have an earnestness. Second Peter 1 verse 15. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So Peter is saying, I'm going to go home. And when I go home, I'm going to be careful. I am going to be diligent. I am going to be zealous to make sure that you have a reminder of these things after I'm gone. 
After I'm not here to remind you of this anymore, I'm going to make sure that there's something in place that will do that for you. I will be careful to ensure, or you could actually insert the word diligent. I will be diligent that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Second Peter 3 and verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. <clears throat> be diligent to be found by him in peace. Now, let's take a look at this word a little more closely. First off, the therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. Looking forward is to earnestly wait with... Uh, to earnestly wait for with sincere and unrelenting conviction. Look forward. To earnestly wait for with sincere and unrelenting conviction. So he says, therefore, beloved. Now he's talking about things about the coming of Christ. He says, because Christ is coming. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things. Looking forward to Christ's coming. Looking forward to when He will return. Be diligent. To be found by him in peace. So when he comes, be diligent that when he comes and he finds you, he finds you in this particular state. So looking forward. In other words, with the, with that in mind, with the, with the fact that Jesus is coming soon. Looking forward to that. How many of you all are looking forward to that? I mean, how, <laughs> how many times per day do we, Lord Jesus, come now? <laughs> We're just ready for, for it to be over. Lord Jesus, come on. Looking forward to... Uh, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace. So, when we are looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, it needs to push us into a place of, of extreme diligence, not a place of hiding out. Not a place of, get me away from all these people. Not a place from, there's too much evil around, I don't want to be around all this. No. We're looking forward to His coming and that looking forward to His coming is making us to be diligent. To be found by Him in peace without spot and blameless. Without spot and blameless. So that means there's some things I can do to get rid of some of the spots and some of the blame on my side. Now we know that Jesus Christ is coming for a church without spot and blameless and there's going to be some things that He'll do probably to, to help clean that up. But there's, there's parts that I could do. And so that's why he's putting this thing in here. Be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. So it's not just all on him to take care of his church and clean us up. There's some things I can do. I gotta let some of those attitudes that I've allowed to fester in me, I gotta let them go. I gotta take some of those offenses that I've built up in me, I gotta let them go. I gotta, I gotta fix these things. I gotta, I gotta take care of these things. It's up to me. Because I am looking for the coming of Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to that. And in looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ, I've gotta put more diligence into this. I think I put this in your outline. His return should always be at our foremost thinking, consuming us and keeping us on our toes. Gotta, gotta always be thinking. Jesus is coming. Every day I get up, Jesus is coming. In the afternoon, Jesus is coming. In the evening, Jesus is coming. Don't get saddled around with all the, 
Stupid things that are going on in life. All the uh, people who aren't moving at red lights. People that are going below the speed limit. Things like that. Don't be doing that. Now let's go on here to Second Timothy in chapter 2, verse 15. This is one of the verses that prompted me to, to look at this. We know this differently than I'm going to read it to you. In Second Timothy 2, verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself to prove to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly divided in the word of truth. Now we know that verse so well in the King James because the King James translates this. Study to show yourself approved. And that probably rattles off of our lips more than the, the other. But uh, translating this word, and this is the word that we're studying here, translating that word study, can you see where we lose a lot of its meaning? The word does not actually mean study, but that's how they they put it in. They, they limited the meaning of that word. And when we continually go around and we quote the King James Version of this, study to show yourself approved, my focus is on studying. Studying the Word of God. But that's not what the Word of God focused on. It's a poor translation. Just about every translation has, of course, changed that. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. So be diligent. Have that earnestness. Have that zeal. Have that uh, urgency to be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Now the word here for approved is an interesting word. It doesn't just mean, you know, pass, uh, look at that and say, alright, I approve that. It is approved or accepting after trusting. Testing. Trusting. Yeah, that's it. Accepted after trusting. So God has trusted us and we have passed. God trusted us with a gift. God tr- trusted us with an opportunity. God trusted us with some of the people in, in our lives. And, and we passed. We did acceptably. And so he's saying this, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly divided into word of truth. Now, another use of this word is over in James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, you can see that meaning in that verse real, real clear, can't you? Accepting after trusting. That's the approval. The approval that we get there is that we have been entrusted with something and we have come up with, with, with uh, shining colors, so to speak. So be diligent to present yourself approved to God. So if we look at these, this first part of the verse with these two words, I am to be diligent. I am to be zealous. I am to be enthusiastic to put all of my effort into being approved of God, which means, because of this word approval, the things that God has entrusted me with. I will go after with all zeal, with all enthusiasm. And I will put everything I have in it. I will focus on it day and night. I won't relent. I won't back off. But constantly, this is at the forefront 
of my thinking. Be diligent. But then he goes on and he tells us some things about this. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Now that part there, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. The the word ashamed, the word, not the tense voice and mood and all that sort of stuff. The, the, the word itself has a passive force to it. Not having a need to be ashamed. It is only used here in the New Testament. This is it. It is not used in the Septuagint. That's the Greek of the uh, Old Testament. It is only used here in the New Testament. It is hardly even used in ancient, in any ancient Greek writings. And, uh, the common, the common Greek writings is not there at all. This word is not used a whole lot. This person went and grabbed an old word to, to do this. So let's, uh, let's read it again. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Now, being passive means that I am not actively involved in this. It is something that is coming upon me. So he says, went right past it. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Be diligent in such a way that you live your life so that people do not throw shame your way. That's what he's talking about. And then this part here, rightly dividing the word of truth. The rightly dividing, it's uh, this one word, this one word in the Greek comes from two words in the Greek. The first means straight or right. And the second means cutting. So literally you could translate this straight cutting or right cutting. Now I pulled out for you Williams. Did I, did I leave that in your outline? All right, I was trying to. Uh, Williams puts it this way. Do your best to present yourself to God an approved workman who has nothing to be ashamed of, who properly presents the message of truth. I like that translation. That's one of my favorite ones. Do your best to present yourselves to God an approved workman who has nothing to be ashamed of and who properly presents the message of truth. Now see, sometimes we have said things to other believers about other believers. And when that gets gets repeated, doesn't that cause, oh, I, I didn't mean to say that and now people know about it. And that can cause us some shame. Or maybe we had an outburst of anger. An outburst of wrath is a word that talks about it. And people saw that. And that can cause us some, some shame. He says, live your life in such a way that this shame is not put, put upon you. That people don't look at you in a, in a shameful way. And the second part, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now see, that's something that you're actively involved with. No one else is, is involved with that. He's writing to Timothy. Timothy's a pastor of a church. He says, rightly divide uh, the, the word of God. Weiss puts it this way, bend your every effort to present yourselves to God approved, a workman unashamed, expounding soundly the word of truth. 
Now we put this in your, your outline. I already told you this, but if you go to vines, you'll see two adjectives and two adverbs, the same root word. But you all also notice this in vines. He's going to make this note, and I thought I may just uh, let you all know about it. He says the most authentic text, and he'll use a particular version of uh, uh, either a, a word may have changed, or the type of word that was used was uh, was different. And so if you ever wonder, what does he mean when he says the most authentic text? Because when you look at that, you can say, well, that's obviously the better one to go with. It's more authentic. <laughs> but I just want to tell you what it is that he means. Does anybody know what he means when he says the most authentic text? There are two basic texts in the Word of God that we, that we use. The majority and the nestles. And according to Vines, nestles is the more authentic. He is not the only one who's in that school of thought. There are many who are in that school of thought. I am not. I do not consider Nestles to be the most authentic. It is the oldest. And that is why it's seen as many as being the most authentic. It is the one that you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls make up the Nestles text. They took it off from there. However, the Nestles text comes from one group of scribes. And it is thought that they had a little bent of Scripture that they actually altered some of it. You will find that some places actually in the Nestle's text completely omitted some, some scriptures. Just completely cut them out. You'll see in your outline, NU, which stands for the Nestle's text. NU omits this verse. NU omits these verses. And some of those verses, if I listed them for you, <laughs> you'd be kind of, what? What do you mean they don't have that in there? And they, he just, uh, doesn't have them in there at all. I don't consider them to be the most authentic text. The other one is the majority text. Now the majority text is where your King, King James Bible is based off of. It's where your New King James Bible is based off of. It's where the New American Standard is based off of. It's where the American Standard was based off of. I think it is also where the RSV, the Revised Standard Version, not that new heathenistic thing that they came up with. And if you have one of those NRSVs, burn it. Get it out of your house. I am passionate about that. I hate that translation of the Bible. It is, it is so many compromises to the things of God. And I don't care if you like one or two verses that are in there. Get rid of that sucker. Because it has compromised all kinds of places in the Word. I'm sure that they go with the Nestles. But the NIV goes with the Nestles text. And another, a number of other more modern translations will, will uh, use that. Again, because they're looking at it as being more authentic. So when you see that, as soon as I see him say that, I says, well, I'm just bypassing what you're saying here. Because I don't trust the Nestle's text. I trust the majority. The majority text, what they do is they took all of the text that we have, all the manuscripts that we have of the Bible, and they wrote down what was in most of them. So if they have a hundred text on the one passage, and 98 of them have it this way, that's the way they render it. If two of them rendered it different, they didn't render it the way those two did, they rendered it the way the, they, this, that's how it got its name, the majority text. If there was ever any question in how something was copied, they went with the, what the majority of the text that we had available to us was. And these particular texts come from all over the place. Not one group of scribes. So, that's the, that's the gist of it. If you see him write that in, just understand. <laughs> I don't consider him to be the most authentic text. Some people would. 
But when he says that, he's saying this comes from the Dead Sea Scrolls. And um, they are the oldest. But again, I just don't think that they are the, the, uh, the most accurate. One question I've never heard answered is if the Dead Sea Scrolls are the be-all and end-all and the, the things that we have for the majority text came later, where did they copy? Because the, none of them are original. Where did they copy theirs from? What were they copying theirs from? Because you know the, the, the earliest ones we have are a couple hundred years old. We don't have the original uh, uh, parchments that Paul was writing on or that Peter was writing on or that Matthew wrote on or Luke or any of those. We don't have the originals. So they all copied them and they were copied and copied and, and they, they just kept you know being copied. And eventually, I forget how many years it was to where we, we saw these. But uh, at any rate, uh, that's, what we, that's what we have. So what were they copying from? Because obviously, if the majority of them have gone in a direction and they have those texts from Mark that the Nestles has left out, then where, 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 they, where did they get it from? They obviously didn't copy from the Nestle's text, the, the ones that those scribes did. So there were other ones that had it during the same time that the people over in uh, uh, the Dead Sea Scroll area were writing theirs. I've never seen that question answered. Um, I haven't really asked that many people. <laughs> that's, that's something that I wonder about myself. Now here in these verses of Scripture, not being diligent is a problem in God's view. That's kind of an under, understatement of it. But this is the problem. God expects us, desires us, wants us to be diligent. He doesn't like any kind of a slothfulness or a, a laziness that would be there about us. We, we need to be intense about the things of God because the things that we're doing are for eternity. So know that the enemy will use people, circumstances, misunderstanding, opposition, as well as acceptance and any other method he can to curb your enthusiasm or your diligence. I just thought it sounded better, curb your enthusiasm. You see, sometimes even acceptance can curb my enthusiasm. I can become not as enthusiastic about a particular thing because people will accept me. Well, if I'm not... I don't know if I'm going to go around talking the Word of God because, you know, if I go into work and I'm always... Hallelujah and praise the Lord and talking the Word of God. Well, people are going to... I want to be accepted at work. And so because of it, some of my enthusiasm for some of those things may, may dwindle. I may be excited about something that I'm believing God for. And then when I get in front of some people, oh, I want them to accept me. And I curb my enthusiasm about that for the purpose of acceptance. Just understand this. The enemy is going to use any way that he can to try and get you to pull back. To not be as in, as diligent, as enthusiastic, as zealous. He wants you to, you know, well, just be zealous six days a week. Because if he can get you to be zealous six days a week instead of seven days a week, it won't take too long until you're only zealous five days a week. And then pretty soon only zealous four days a week. And then pretty soon more and more things will be compromised and, and taken away. And what you were enthused about before, you don't even know why you're enthused about it. You know, I've, I've seen people, they were, they were in church, constantly in church. And then you see them a few years later and 
not there at all. What happened? They were once so zealous and so enthusiastic about it. Well, things come in. People say things. Circumstances dictate things. I was once believing God for this particular thing over here. But, well, these things happen. I got this report. I got this. Things happen, you know. Circumstances. And it's, it's, uh, it's throwing some water on my fire. I don't have as much fire as I, as I used to have. And it's tough to, it's tough to keep that going. It's tough to, to keep moving. But you, you can find a way. Don't let these things put the kibosh on you. Stay with it. Keep feeding the flame. Even if you're not seeing the things that you think you ought to see. Keep feeding the flame. Abraham had to keep feeding the flame for 25 years. God had to keep coming there and fire it up every once in a while. Take him outside and show him the stars. Hey, look at the stars up there. You see that? That's going to be you. <laughs> That's going to be your descendants. He had, to, he had to fire them up a little bit. Sometimes we need to take ourselves out and, and just get ourselves fired up. Get ourselves going. Because I've been zealous for the things of God. But I don't see the people appreciate it. You know, it'll be like Elijah. They all want to kill me. I've been zealous for God. And now people want to kill me. And now I'm kind of cooling off a little bit. And don't let yourselves cool off. It's up to you. This is not something that you are not in control of. Not to put that there at the, the end. According to the, the uses of this word, it is up to you to stay diligent. It's up to you to stay zealous. It's up to you to be enthusiastic. You gotta keep that fire going. You gotta keep looking at yourself and saying, this is what I'm gonna be. It's easy to stay enthusiastic about something that's working good. It's harder to stay enthusiastic when things aren't quite going the way we want them to. We're believing God for a healing. Got some kind of condition going on in your body. And you're believing God for a healing. And you've been going at it and going at it and going at it and not seeing a change. And um, you can get cooled off a little bit. Don't let yourself get cooled off. Stay with it. Stay with it. No, it's coming. The enemy is going to try and use people. He's going to try and use circumstances. He's going to get some misunderstandings in on you. At least try to. He's going to throw some opposition your way. Whatever he can do, whatever method he can come up with, he is going to try and curb your diligence. Make you so you're not as enthusiastic about those things that God wants you to be enthusiastic about. And see, some, that's why we, we sometimes do a word study. I want to follow this word out throughout the New Testament and, and see it. And if you're going to do this right, you do need to go to the Greek because that same Greek word is sometimes translated zeal, care, diligence. It's translated different things. You can't just follow it out in the English. But oh, how easy it is just to, to get that, that going on. It's with all the tools we have available to us today. Even if all you have is vines, if you have nothing else but vines, vines is going to give you a whole list of things. Here's the verses. And if you don't have anything electronic, you can just sit there with your Bible and manually just go over there and flip over to the different pages and, and check that, those different things out. But before we go on, I want you to show you some, some things that will help you in this. Uh, pull up our first, first slide. This is a, a screenshot of my phone for olive tree. And um, can you bring up the laser? I meant to bring that up earlier. 
I wanted to show you all some, some things that you can do with this. Thank you. All right. Now, if you have, how many people have olive tree? How many people do not have olive tree? All right. If you don't have to go out there and get this, there are other software things that are available. But for the price, this is your biggest bang for the buck. There are things that are cheaper, but they're not going to do as much as this does. And there are things that are more expensive, and they may do more things than this does. But this is your best bang for the buck that I have been able to find out there, especially if it, it, it crosses platform. You can use it on your Apple computer and on your Android phone. And it will be the same both both places. It will sync around. You can use it on your iPad, and you can use it on your Windows computer. You can go back and forth, any platform you want to do. And when you sync it, whatever you put on your Android phone is going to go over to your Apple computer or uh, any other device that is, that is out there. But in in this, I didn't take a whole lot of screenshots, but I will show you a, a few of them here. If you were doing reading the parable of the leaven, which we were just reading of uh, recently, I, I believe, the parable of the leaven, this is, he's going to give you the parable right there. You know, it's a real short one. And in this particular version, now this is my, um, the New King James with Strong's. That is my favorite of all the ones that are out there. You have to buy that one. You cannot get it for free. And it is worth it. I'm doing most of my reading in this because of what I can do with it. But if you click on that little green spot right there, you will go to the corresponding scripture that has the same story. Instantly. All you got to do is touch that and bang, your screen will now show you the other story uh, other places where it is, this is. If there is another place in the gospel, in the, any of the four gospels, that carries the parable of leaven, it will come right here in green. And all you got to do is touch it and you go right there. And when you get over to Luke thirteen twenty, it's also going to have a reference back to this one. And so you can immediately come right on back to it if you want to. If you get the New King James with the Strong's, each of these words, you can touch it and it will show you the actual Greek word and you can pull up a definition, a more expanded definition. And I, I meant to get a screenshot of, of that so I could show it to you. Um, I can probably do it, do it on here. But this is... On my iPad, this is the New King James Version. And that, and if we hit a scripture. Alright, I hit the word remained. And it pulls up over here. There is the actual Greek spelling. It will show you the actual Greek letters. So if you're using one of those other references and you don't know what the letter is, but you can look at how it's scribbled on there and recognize the same scribbling. <laughs> Then you can match it right there. It, it gives you the Strong's number right underneath that. So it's right there for you. Underneath that, it gives you the definition. of the, and, and by moving your finger, you go right on up here because there's more to the screen than you can see. And it's going to give you that whole definition of the word. You can see that's a pretty extensive definition of, of all that. That's all for that particular word. If you want to do a word search on this word, this is how easy it is to do in this 
this particular one. You see here it says search for and it gives you the Strong's number. And you just touch it. And then over here in this same screen is all of the listings, all the verses that have that. And it's going to give you a little bit of each of those verses. I think actually gives you most of the verse. Yeah, it looks like it gives you all the verse. If you say, oh, I want to look at that one and you touch that verse, the entire screen will be filled up with it. And you can read the verses that go around it. If you hit the back arrow, you go back to that screen that you were on and you can also hit this word that says look up and it gives you the Greek word right there and you can look up the definition and this will help if you have other definitions loaded in for olive tree. It will list those so that you can find them. If you had Thayer's, it would give you a reference to Thayer's and you could pull it up without having to find all the Greek stuff that there would be the definition for it. Um, I didn't put Thayer's on here because I have Thayer's in a couple of the places. I didn't uh, go out there and, and buy this particular one. In fact, I didn't really have any other definitions of it because I have other ones that I like that are that are in my office and I just read over those. But that is the, what Olive Tree will do for you. I have tried a number of different Bible apps. This one I like the best. The um, it will it is for free to get the, either the New New King James to get the oh go over to our to our other screen or two. It is for free to get the New King James or the King James or the NIV. You have to pick a translation. You download the software and then you pick which translation you want for free. Out of those, I take the New King James, obviously, but uh, you can also, if you like to have the King James on there, if you're going to go out there and buy the New King James and Strong's, there's really no reason to have two copies of the New King James. Maybe you might want to get the King James version just to have it as a uh, a reference to, to go and to look at that. Um, I would, I'd never pull up my New King James translation anymore because I always had the New King James with Strong's on it. Because even when I'm doing our, our Bible reading, our chapter a day, uh, many times, I'm, what is that Greek word? And I just touch on it. Oh, it's that one. Or maybe I just do a quick word study right there. I can do it all right from the, right from my phone or my tablet. I don't need anything else. I can do a quick one right there. And then maybe I say, oh, this was worth further study. And I can go back there and, uh, and check some further study out. Now, you'll have a library. And if you want to open up one of these others, uh, I have the message. I have uh, Young's Literal Translation. I have Weymouth. I have um, uh, Kenneth Wiest. I have his translation. I have them all on my phone, on my tablet, on my computer. Uh, if you buy it, it will go in all those different places. If you download it. You don't have to. You can buy it and not put it on your phone, but put it on your computer. It's your choice as to which one you're going to do. And that list can go on down. That is the New Living Translation right there. I recognize the, the logo on the, on the front. Um, and every once in a while they throw out this is for free if you want to get it and there are some things that are public domain how many have ever heard, heard of James Fawcett and Brown's commentary anybody ever heard of that All right, it's, a, it's a decent commentary uh, and you can download that for free and if you want to have a commentary on there and just have somebody giving you some, some things maybe he mentions to you about some translations or some archaeological evidence or well, just different things like that they'll be able to bring in so those things that are, are there. Uh, it is it is phenomenally effective. They're always working to improve it and, and add other things to it. I haven't found anything better, especially for free. I've tried some other ones and they're just so uh, behind the times on, on things. 
I just don't use it. Now, I don't use this when I'm putting together uh, the outlines and things for Sunday and Wednesday. I don't use Olive Tree at all. Don't don't even open it up. Um, I've written to him about it. I've, I've told him, I says, look, these are some of the things that I have that are a hindrance for me from using it. I said, uh, you have to use a mouse. You have to use, uh, uh, you know, th- things of this nature. You can't just uh, hotkey everything. On the one I use, everything is keyboard related. I mean, you can use a mouse if you want to, and you can uh, you can mouse around and, and, and go do different things. But why would you do that? We can just simply go to a, a key and uh, and copy things that way. So uh, I just don't I just don't bother with it. Uh, Quick Burst for me is is far better, but it's so old it only runs on certain computers. I only have one computer right now that it will work it. But um, uh, for me, it is just far faster and far easier to do that. But this is the next best thing. Now, if I want to copy a verse of scripture out of here and put it into an outline for you, it is not that easy. It is. Uh, it takes me a little bit of time if I have to go up here and call this up. Uh, this is how bad it is. When I want cut weast, and I wanted weast today, it's available to me in Olive Tree. I have it on my computer. I have it on the computer that I use QuickBurst on. I could call it up, pull up weast translation, copy and paste and put it over. But it is so much more of an effort compared to QuickBurst, I'd rather just open up my copy of weast and type it in. And that's what I did when I, whenever you see Weast in there, I typed it in. Now, Williams, I have a place online. I can go out there and get that. Williams is not available in Olive Tree. You cannot get that. Um, there are not too many places that you can, but there is one particular place online that you can get it. So I have this one spot, and I highlight that and just pull those things out and, and, uh, and bring it in for you. Um, they could do a lot of things to improve that. Uh, I just, I mean, it's not bad. It's okay. I just, I, I don't like it as much. It's, um, what you have to do, and go back to my other screen, if you want to copy and paste, is you have to highlight that verse right there. And you gotta highlight it right. You, if, if you highlight it so that it thinks you want 33, it's gonna copy 33. And that's not gonna help you. But if you highlight it right, you'll get a copy screen, and it'll say copy one verse, two verse, three verse, four verse, or whatever. And then you can just copy it all, all in there. Now, when I'm in quick verse, I simply start with the verse that I want, slide on down to the verse that I want to end at, and hit Control F. I mean, that's, you just can't get any easier than that. I do not. <laughs> I don't do that. If I, if sometimes I can go in there and they have a hotkey that you can do. You can do a, um, there's, there's a, a, a two commands you gotta to touch. And it'll pull up to, um, copy a passage. And I don't even have to go to the passage. I can just simply type in the passage that I want and it'll copy it all into memory. I go over to the program I want, paste it in. And so it's, it's lightning fast, uh, compared to, to what goes on with this. But when I'm on my phone and I'm just studying for myself and, and just reading the Bible, it's olive tree. That's the one that I've got. So I just wanted to go over some of those things with you before we, uh, finished out here because you could do a lot of these things if you want to do a word search you could do it here and um, be able to have that all put together um, I do a word search in quick verse faster than you can do it here but it's not simple in fact you won't find it in any of the menus or any of the help things I don't even know if quick verse knows how to do it but I know how to do it I found a way with the software to, to be able to do it and I can search something in the Greek and then read it in the New King James. 
and um, uh, I'm not even bothered to, sh to show you how to do that. Just do it this way. You're going to have a much, uh, a much nicer way, much faster way. But anyway, any questions on the word we were studying here tonight or on the things here with quick verse? You, but you get the app. The app is free. Okay, the Olive Tree app is free. One translation will be free. And then you buy things to add on after that. So that's the thing you'd have to add on afterward. I don't know what the cost is because I can't pull it up on mine and see the cost because I own it. So it just says download or, you know, I already have it. Uh, so you have to have, not have it and then it will show you. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere between 10 and 20 and I think it's closer to the 20. It's either nine ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine. I don't think it's more than that, because I don't think I've spent any more than twenty bucks on any of their their add-ons. Um, but if you were only going to get one thing to add on, that is is absolutely phenomenal. And as long as you have your email set up with them and stuff, they'll email you if they're going to have something for free. Say that they gave, hey, we're giving away the Amplified Bible, and then you can go up there and you can download the Amplified Bible. You have to get up there when it's free. And download it because after the month is over, the week is over, it's not free anymore. You've got to go back there and buy it. But every once in a while, they throw out different things that are for free. And as long as you're listening, uh, you can go up there and you can, you can get them. But just phenomenal, very, very smooth, very, very easy to do. I, I didn't catch, catch the thing in, the, in this particular one. But if you look up on here, this little corner spot right there, see how it just turned red on me? That's your book ribbon. If you want to set a book ribbon, you just touch it. That's it. You can touch it to unmark it. You can touch it to mark it. And then when you pull up this part over here, it's going to give you options to say um, book ribbons. So right there, it's going to say book ribbons. And there it pulls up all the ribbons that I've got. And all I have to do is click on it. Now what's nice about these book ribbons is it is um, translation sensitive. So if I set a book ribbon in the New Living Translation and I hit it, it's going to open it up in the New Living Translation, not the New King James. Because there may be something that... Have you ever read something in a particular translation? You read something in the message? Oh, I really like the way that was. And if you mark it in the message, if it pulls it up in the New King James, well, why was I marking that? I don't know what that was. <laughs> so it will save it accordingly. And it shows you up there, these are all your New King James bookmarks. These are your New Living Translation bookmarks. These are your Weiss New Testament bookmarks. And it will show you all those that are that are there available. There are a number of, tra of translations that are free. I think Young's Literal Translation is free. I'm pretty sure that one you can get for, for free. And there's a number of other ones that you can get. You don't have to buy. You don't have to pay anything for. Um, so it's not just the New King James that you would get. There are might be as much as a dozen or so things that are free that you can just download and I just download them in case, I don't know, maybe I might want them eventually down the road and that way they're there. Now some of them are perpetually free. They're always free. They're either public domain or something along those lines. 